Uh, morning to you all. Really warm welcome to you if you join us for the first time or um, been here many times. Really warm welcome to you guys at home as well who are watching on the live stream. Uh, as Mark said, my name's Ray. I'm one of the church family here, just like you guys. Um, Rich is away, attends his family uh, at an event at the moment, um, so he's asked me to preach. Um, and what a great privilege it is to be with you here today to share God's word. Um, so, yeah, just before I get into it, um, if you don't mind, I'd just like to pray again, just a short prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, um, thank you so much for your word, for this truth that is life, Lord, and pray that whether these people here have heard this for the first time or for the hundredth time, I pray that you would humble all our hearts here today, that you would open hearts and minds, um, be telling them, teaching them something about yourself today, this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, we are in the Gospel of um, Matthew this morning. We were in Luke last time. We were looking at another parable. We're looking at a different parable this morning. And Mark rightly said, rightly said we are looking at this theme of entitlement, having the right to something. And advertising companies in the world today quickly cottoned onto this and Recruitment companies are vicious in this, I would say. They, um, you get these emails, don't you? Flood in your inbox. Are you uninspired? Are you, are you bored? Are you um, stressed out? Are you anxious with life? And we can fix this all for you. You deserve more. Do you not get the recognition you deserve? You've hit all your targets, yet no one gives you the recognition you deserve. And maybe you're swiping through all these emails, all these adverts, and you say, yes, that's, that's me. That's me. I, I, that's me. How did they know? I deserve more. I'm overworked. I'm underpaid. That's me. I deserve more than that. And we, we learn this from young, don't we? You don't have to actually be taught this. You know, we, we work hard, we get more. That's the way natural things work in this world. And I was no different when, when uh, I was younger. Clothes, trainers, gadgets, toys, computer games. I wanted it all, and I couldn't understand why I didn't have it like now, well, yesterday. Yes, I was a little brat. <laughs> and this carries on as, as we get, all get older. I work super hard today. I deserve a break. I deserve a rest. I'm going to close the door. You sort out the dishes, the washing. I'm going to watch Netflix. Well, I'm such a hard worker. I just can't understand why my business isn't doing better. It should be doing better. I deserve a better, more, more successful business. Well, I've smashed targets this year. I deserve a promotion. And no, I'm not saying, you know, you shouldn't, uh, if you've been dealt an injustice, you should pursue justice. God is the God of justice. And you use the means that he's given you to pursue justice, whether it's in school or your workplace or even a court of law, using the, God, the means God has provided. But what I'm saying is, do you constantly see your life through the eyes of entitlement? Do you constantly assess, you know, all the time what you deserve, what you're entitled to? Are you constantly aware of other people's successes, failures, but really in a negative way? And that's why I've titled this talk, The Eyes of Entitlement. Do you constantly have eyes that constantly calculate what you're owed by friends and family? You know, they give you a birthday present, you quickly check on Amazon, how much is that worth? And 
you know, I'm, make sure that they're only going to get five pounds worth of Christmas presents this year. Do you do that with these checkers? You have an inbuilt checker. You know, you have these mortgage checkers, energy bill checkers. Do you, you put in, do you get out what you put in? Do you do that with God? Do you have a spiritual checker? You know, I, I'm great with kids at school. I, I serve at Sunday school, but yet why, why am I struggling to have children? I've remained pure and sought after Christ all my life, yet, God, why have you not brought me a spouse? You know, I, I, I've worked so hard. I deserve a rest. And some of these things are really hard, but what a really kind of ugly and unattractive way to live your life. What a way to make people around you quite miserable. But is there another way to live your life? Yes, it is, because Jesus, from this passage, he wants us to view life very differently. He wants us to close our eyes of entitlement and see life through his glasses of grace. And it's not, you have to go home and say, hello, it's me, a suffering Christian, and you beat yourself with a toilet brush and you get home. He wants you to leave, live here, leave here, live in joyfully. But because wouldn't it, please God, you wake up in the morning and say, Thank you, God. Thank you that you've given me more, much more, more than I deserve. Wouldn't it be attractive for his kingdom if you saw people around you win at life and you smiled genuinely, not just gritting your teeth all the time, and that other people would notice? Wouldn't that be attractive? Or wouldn't you like to have deep joy that even you're suffering something terrible in your life? You know, you're going through something awful and say, yes, Lord, I trust that you are doing this for my good some way, somehow. You want to live this way? Well, then this passage is for you. And just a little bit of background in this passage. That this is Jesus is teaching. He's teaching his disciples first and then the crowd around him. And it's teaching what the kingdom of heaven is like. And it's in parables, and parables we saw last week are made up stories, but to teach the truth, or many truths even. And why does he feel the need to do that? Because he feels the need to correct their thinking. And if you just look over um, at the previous chapter, just on the same page, he's had just had this encounter with this rich young man. And he thinks that he, this rich young man has done everything to, get into, to earn his way into heaven. He's, he's fulfilled all the commandments. And even if this was possible, Jesus asked him to give up the one thing he knows that he couldn't do to enter heaven. And he says, give up your riches, everything you own. You know, but the rich man can't do this. And he goes away sorrowful because he can't give up his possessions. And before you judge, how many of you are willing to give up your, and empty your bank accounts or sell all your Bitcoin? Everybody loves Bitcoin these days. Sell all your Bitcoin and follow Jesus. And you think that might be a bit harsh, but Peter, after seeing this, he thinks Jesus has been a bit harsh. If you just look over at verse 27 in the previous chapter, just up the page, it says, Peter says, we have left everything to follow you. What will we have? We've done everything this rich young man couldn't do, yet we deserve more. You see, the eyes of entitlement. And Jesus, as a gentle rebuke, he reveals that there are blessings to come that far outweigh any of the sacrifices that they or we would make now. And I wonder 
if Jesus knows that their hearts are a bit like mine and, and a bit like yours. And he's saying that, he says that the, the kingdom of heaven, he says that the first will be last and the last will be first. He says, the guys, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And if you follow from chapter one, the first one rather, so this is a big 20 in the um, um, first, first part of that. It says, verse one, it's like the master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. So God, in, God is the master in this parable, and he's the unusual master that personally he goes out to the highways and byways um, all over to call his laborers in. And he's calling people to tend to his kingdom. And we can call this the people of the Old Testament, the, the New Testament, and the church, you guys here today, if you would call yourself a Christian. And in verse 2, he says, After agreeing with the laborers for denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So there should be a picture on the screen at the moment of a picture of a denarius. So this is a Roman silver coin that the masters agreed for a whole day's labor. And it's a fair wage for a whole day's labor. And it's just enough to eat and to drink. And it's just enough for a day's sustenance. But they... You assume that they've agreed this, this, this uh, agreement and they've gone into the vineyard. And so a typical working day in those times was from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And this is a long day. And we can already start feeling for these early workers that have been called in. But the master goes out to call more laborers again. And you don't need to worry about the hours that they're called. Um, they are 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., and the 11th hour, the 5 p.m., just a de- an hour before finishing time. Verse 6, if you look down. And at the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And maybe just as a side note for Christians or professing Christians, do you feel like you're busy in life, just taxiing your kids around from activity to activity, but you're not really um, disciplining or bringing them up in instruction of the Lord? Do you find yourself busy making your name for your, a name for yourself at work or on social media, but being idle in making a name for his name, Jesus, his name that would be more known? Are you busy in the world, but being idle in his kingdom? If you feel that way, then maybe this is a challenge for you today to, to really get stuck in again, whether you know, it's service at home or at work, just calling people into his kingdom. Maybe for non-Christians, if you've been invited here today, if you, whether you've been dragged along or whether you come here of your own free will, and no doubt that uh, you suffer the same business that we all do, and you, maybe you've ticked all of the things on your to-do lists, but you don't really feel that you've achieved much. You've not really had much satisfaction in what you are doing. Well, Jesus says in the Gospel of John, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And Jesus here is not just talking about physical, he's not talking about physical depravity, but Jesus promises true, long-lasting satisfaction spiritual satisfaction that comes with laboring in his kingdom. So like I said, if you've been invited to this service, whether you believe it or not, you're here now. 
This is God's personal promise and invitation to you. Go into the vineyard too, and you'll be no loser. But you see, all all these laborers, whether they've worked one hour or 12 hours, they all agree to this denarius, this this price, this reward that the master is giving them. You know, this denarius, or verse 4, it says, whatever is right. And as as, as the day, working day ends, the laborers who work least, you notice that workers that work least, they get called first. You can imagine the early workers thinking, well, that's not the way this is usually done. We've been here longer. We should be getting paid first. You know, and imagine these um, early workers who they can, can they get into the back of the queue and they're staggering, holding their backs, and they're exhausted to join this queue, and they're suddenly looking over at their non-sweaty colleagues and seeing that, um, well, seeing what they're, what, what, what they're getting. And for a moment, they, they don't feel so bad because when they see that they get this denarius, they're like, wow, they've, he's given them a denarius. They've, they've, they've been here one hour. We've been here 12 hours. Can you imagine all the money we're going to get? Quids in, guys. Steak is on me tonight. Well, you can imagine their shock and disappointment as they queue up and they get the one, one, one denarius. Just, just one. One, this is something wrong. And, and when I, every time I read this, you know, I think I, I join in their grumbling as well, and I, in part, and um, I can't help feeling sorry for these guys, because if you look at verse 12, it says, these last work only one hour, and you've made them equal to us. We've suffered, and we've worked harder, longer than any of these guys. We deserve more. Can you see the eyes of entitlement? And this is this thing in the parable that um, Jesus always gets us to identify with the, the wrong people. We identify here, or at least I do, with the early laborers. And because of our sinful, depraved hearts, it actually says, God, you can understand why these guys are a little bit upset, right? But just like a surgeon has to cut deep because the disease is pretty severe, Jesus asks these three cutting questions. And each question cuts a little bit deeper. If you look at verse 13, it says, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Yeah, yeah, but, 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 but nothing. You've agreed a denarius, I've given you a denarius. That is right. If you go into McDonald's and you buy a Big Mac and the Big Mac's complete, that is right. If you go into McDonald's and buy a Big Mac, and there's only one patty, there's, there's, no, there's no cheese, there's no shredded lettuce, there's no onions, no special burger sauce, that is very wrong. I like Big Macs. But of course, God does no wrong, and he gives them the agreed reward. And what is the agreed reward? Well, for those of you chosen to step into the vineyard, we choose not to serve Satan, and we choose to repent and turn away from the things that are stopping us from coming to God and entrusting in Jesus, this God that became man that about 2,000 years ago that lived a perfect life on this earth, a sin-free life, was betrayed by his friends, tortured by his enemies, strung up and nailed to the cross to dying, excruciating death. 
And he could have smashed everyone, all his enemies around him while on the cross, just with a nod to his angels. But what does he say? He looks up and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So for all their sins, or for all your sins, for all my sins, we have this most sufficient reward of eternal life. He takes the punishment we deserve so that we can have this reward of eternal life. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And that is grace, the free gift given to undeserved people. And when we recognize that most wonderful act of grace in human history, so it is we are able to close our eyes and to see life now through God's glass, glasses of grace. And we can see his promises of grace now. You know, he's given us denarius now. And we can rejoice that God is a faithful God. He's always true to his word. He always delivers on his promises. So when we examine our lives, look back on our lives, can we not see that he's kept all his promises? Yes, he's blessed us with good times, and some with wealth, some with health, some with children even. Do you look back on your hard times even? Maybe your friends have abandoned you, your, your spouse has uh, deserted you, your family have deserted you. Has he left you? Has he ever forsaken you? I think not. Maybe at work your line manager has been bullying you, you can't afford to leave your job, you're the only breadwinner, you know, energy bills are going up. You can't leave, you just don't know what way to go. Has he not given you instruction, counsel, with his loving eye on you? And he does it through ways and means. It might be through advice, through people, but it's ultimately from him. Maybe you suffered domestic abuse, violence, and you felt utterly weak, helpless, shameful. Has he not gotten you through that situation? Not because you are strong, but because he is strong. And to be honest, God doesn't he so often puts us through these most difficult situations because we so often are so stubborn, we refuse to close our eyes of entitlement and put on his glasses of grace. And now I am. Second cutting question, verse 15. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? And what's the master chosen to do? Well, the previous verse, I choose to give to the last worker as I give to you. God apportions his grace and his wishes as he pleases. Because why? Because it all belongs to him anyway. God is no person's debtor. Doesn't owe anybody anything. But do you really believe that in your heart at all times, that everything you have is by grace? And you might think all spiritual things, all things to do with church, uh, opportunities to serve at church, yes, um, leading Bible studies, telling people about your faith, yeah, that's, that's from God. But maybe my house, uh, my car, uh, my skills, my talents, you know, I've worked hard for that business meeting that went so well. That was all due to me. I worked hard for that. Maybe you even recognize that these things come from God, but maybe you think you deserve them. Well, I'd suggest that we start treating our relationship with God a little bit differently instead of like an accounting schedule. 
You know, you read your Bible in the morning, and that's one USA, one unit of spiritual activity. You attend a Bible study, that's three USAs. You even lead a Bible study. Wow, that's 12 USAs. And you get to the end of the month, and you count them all up, and you see if all the blessings have come in, and they total up, and you say, oh, well, God's blessing's a bit short this month. That's okay, you can get me back next month. I wanted to tell you it's not a good thing to pray to God to give you what you think you're entitled to. God says his schedule of grace does not work like that. In his upside-down kingdom, he constantly pours out grace and undeserved grace as he chooses. And can you imagine the Jews who are going to listen to this story as he's telling us at the time, and they feel that they've been the early workers that have been called at 6 a.m., and they've suffered slavery in Egypt, wandering around in the wilderness, suffered persecution all around what Jesus sees, latecomers, these prostitutes, tax collectors, Gentiles, random people here, they, they're, they're going to receive the same denarius, same reward as us? Well, Jesus says yes, because what you all have is all by grace. So whether you stepped into the kingdom as a youth or the, even the last moments of your life, all of it is by grace. Just like the dying criminal that died, was dying on the cross next to Jesus, Jesus gives him the denarius of eternal life, and he says to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So we can all rejoice together as the master chooses to give as he wishes. And maybe this is a way we can challenge to us as a church to become even more welcoming to newcomers or visitors because I'm terrible, I'm, I'm guilty of this, that very easy and comfortable to just chat to the, the people you know, who you're very familiar with, who you identify with. But whether you've been here for five weeks or 50 years even, maybe you spot an unfamiliar face. It'd be great to introduce yourself. You know, be this welcoming church that lines down is really known and has a great reputation for. And I know mature Christians already in this uh, church here, this congregation, have already pinpointed and spotted where the newcomers are, and they've already planned where and how they're going to make their way to them and start this conversation. I know you guys are good. But wouldn't it be great if we can rejoice that, you know, we can say that that lady, that she arrived at 7 a.m., that those, those guys over there, they arrived at 2 p.m., and, you know, I arrived at about, you know, 4.30 p.m., but we're just all happy that we're all here together, right? Wouldn't that be a great thing to do? And the last question is the deepest cut for me. And it comes at the end of verse 15. Do you begrudge my generosity? And you think about it, this, this question is really telling something sinister of um, the laborers' hearts and our hearts, really. As we look through eyes of entitlement, we actually, in somewhere, deep inside, we actually like to see people fail, and as long as they are failing more than we, than us, then it, we're okay with that. If you don't think that way, just go on social media. You know, I've had to go on social media recently, I've been on the gram, as it's called these days, or TikTok, how everybody is so blessed on there. You know, why does he get to go on a holiday like that, and why does she get to have a family and have a body like that? And, how is he able to make such amazing food and have a job and, and, and have a life and family and, and, and? 
But you see, the laborers here are not upset in the story. The laborers are not upset about what they got, but they're more upset about the master's generosity. And this is the English Standard Version we've been reading, but I like the new King James Version of this translation here, just this verse. It says, Is your eye evil because I am good? Is your eye jealous? Are you envious? Me? No, don't be ridiculous way. Why does he get to have a job like that? He's only come to church like once a month. And why are there kids playing violin like that? And so well. And how does she get to lead a Bible study like that? She's only been here five minutes. You see, it really builds jealousy, resentment, living, looking through the eyes of entitlement. But there's God's way of living, isn't it? And isn't it God when, great when God is generous to you? And isn't it just as great when he's generous to someone else? So we should just let God do his thing and rejoice in his generosity that he gives, he gives grace and pours out grace to whoever he chooses. And you can pray and say thank you and praise you, God. These guys have been able to have this great holiday. Please give them good rest. And that's a real sign of Christian maturity, isn't it? Then, When we are genuinely happy for each other, we can rejoice in the master's grace when he gives it to others. And after all, isn't that a more attractive way to live? And I don't mean attractive in, in terms of you know, what they think on, on Vineyard or on um, TikTok or Instagram. Isn't, wouldn't that attract more laborers into his vineyard? more from your workplace, from, from your running club, from your, your social circle, social circles. Be attractive. And Jesus ends this parable as, as he begins, and he says, the last will be first, and the first will be last. And this is not the riddle, and you don't need to worry about it too much. He's just saying that the kingdom of heaven does not work like the world does. And I wish there was that, the, the old banner here, but this is the upside-down kingdom again. The kingdom of heaven doesn't work like the world does. It's not first will be first and last is last. God's not keeping account of all your spiritual USAs. He's not handing out blessings uh, on what you deserve. He hasn't got this timesheet where, you know, he's, he's keeping account when you've logged in. He says, are you content with being last now, or are you always striving, having to be first all the time? So the last will be first, because they know that they are last, and the first will be last, because they think they are first. So as we put on our glasses of grace, I hope we can see our schedule of sin, what we really deserve. And we all come to the place where Jesus not just bore the, the burden of the day and the scorching heat, but he bore all of our burdens, all our sins, all those who would trust in his death on the cross. And to use the language of verse 12, isn't that what has made us all equal, all deserving last place, all needing his grace that he would make us first in his kingdom? So again, it's not to make people miserable here, but to go away really joyful, content. And great Christian C.S. Lewis um, put this better than I could have ever. And C.S. Lewis says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, 
by thinking of yourself less. Isn't that amazing? Do you not see the humility of the cross? And we're able, when we're able to see that, that gives us massive power to really do these things, to really rejoice in our generous master who is always faithful to his word and to rejoice that he chooses to give as he wishes and rejoice in his generosity to others. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word that always cuts straight to the heart and reveals our nature, our deepest desires to, to want to put ourselves first. I pray that you would pour your grace out upon them, upon me, that we would go from here seeing the world differently, that we would humble ourselves before great and righteous and, and generous God, always willing to forgive, always willing to give. I pray that if there are laborers here in your vineyard today that don't know you yet, I pray that you would be calling them into your vineyard even today and that they would know you through your son, Jesus. In his great name, I pray. Amen.